Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This episode is a heavy one. Uh, Please know that from the offset. Uh, We feel it is important. Uh, We also need to establish at the very beginning two things. First, Nothing in this episode should be mistaken for any sort of medical advice. Uh, there are medical professionals who are willing, more than willing to provide assistance. We'll tell you how to contact them at the end of the episode. Secondly, this is not a hit piece on thousands and thousands of experts working, often tirelessly, often underpaid, to help people escape harrowing cycles of addiction. And today's episode involves addiction. These are 
sometimes explicit stories, but they're important stories. And they're often not acknowledged in uh, the mass media in a way that is not exploitative. According to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, over 19.7 million Americans aged 12 or older battled some sort of substance use disorder in 2017. And you can find the estimates range widely. There's also another claim that 53 million Americans aged 12 plus were illicit drug abusers in 2018. That seems like a high rise. So the numbers vary here depending on which source you go to. But I think we can all acknowledge that uh, substance abuse is a huge problem, one that has become exacerbated in these our days of pandemic. I mean, would you guys agree? It's just kind of part and parcel with the way our country treats like mental health where it's just not taken very seriously. And, you know, I mean, the pandemic was not only a biological, you know, health crisis, I guess, but it's also become and snowballed into a mental health crisis. And what is addiction, if not a signpost of some struggle with mental health? And I mean, we've seen the stats. It's absolutely ballooned in terms of like people falling back into old habits who maybe had sought treatment in the past and were maybe off of the uh, off of that substance, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever. And then because of being cooped up and the you know insecurity of what the future holds and employment and all of that stuff, people kind of fell back into those old patterns. It makes absolute sense, but I don't think it's being addressed. In, in the ways that some other countries address things like that are taken seriously. Um, I, I don't know. That maybe I'm sorry if I sound soapboxy about it, but I really feel strongly about it. And it's something that I've seen throughout my life. And it's something that I think has been stigmatized in a really nasty way. And I think it's time for a change. I don't think it's soapboxy. I think we're all on the same page today. Um, Matt, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts? I agree that it is a, it is a major macro problem for the United States, substance abuse and use. It is an even more harrowing micro problem, you know, uh, on the personal level, on the individual. And I just want to make the point that, you know, we, we, we made, we're being very open with everyone here. We are not uh, targeting anyone who's attempting to help people who are using drugs or abusing drugs. We're also not targeting the individual person. If you're listening out there who has struggled with, you know, uh, abusing a substance in one way or another, we just want to make that really clear. Yeah. It's never helpful to do so really. If you think about it, uh, yelling at people, bullying them, mocking them, <laughs> never changes them for the better. That is that is a truth of the human species. And to the point about mental health disorders, uh, there is a, a co-occurrence, right, wrapped up in substance abuse disorders. The numbers I just gave at the top have fluctuated over time in response to larger nationwide events, such as an economic depression, a pandemic, or as we proved pretty conclusively in a previous episode, a widespread conspiracy to hook people on opioids. Factors like this can all influence rates of addiction. And luckily, there are experts, doctors, therapists working literally around the clock to help people free themselves from these dangerous, sometimes fatal cycles of abuse. In fact, there is an entire industry 
uh, surrounding this concept. And today's episode is about just that, the rehab industry. Here are the facts. That's right. This industry that we're talking about today is a $42 billion industry. And as we said, as the problems have ballooned um, in recent decades, so has the industry. Um, because let's remember that U.S. insurance is privatized and uh, the healthcare system is privatized and all for profit. Um, so insurance began accepting rehab claims, um, but it's it's still not the same as it's like having all of it covered kind of, you know, I mean, you get a little supplement and maybe there are certain providers that are quote unquote in network. And as we're going to discuss today, some of those aren't necessarily ones with the best intentions for the patient. Maybe at least uh, when you dig a little deeper, um, increased coverage from Medicaid and the ACA, the affordable care act in Tandem with what you talked about, Ben, that opioid epidemic has, you know, what could be seen as a positive thing on the surface is fueled growing access to treatment um, as well as that need for treatment. Right. Yeah, that's right. Insurance companies under the ACA and uh, another act that we'll talk about today, uh, they were mandated to provide treatment. Uh, but of course, a system this large will always be no matter how well-intentioned, it will always be imperfect. By 2025, the rehabilitation industry is projected to reach uh, $53 billion in the U.S. alone, with states providing most of the funding, which means regardless how, of how you feel about rehabilitation as a concept or about treatment centers in specific, if you live in the U.S., you are paying for this. Oddly enough, this was may surprise some of us in the crowd today, this industry is not yet heavily monopolized. There's so it, It's weird because so many other large industries are, the funeral industry, the automotive industry, you know, there, there's a, a, a massive slice of the pie that goes to a few big players, usually. There are some big rehab chains out there like nine or so, but the industry is mostly made up of much smaller operations. And as it grew over time, it became more specialized, right? Those, you know, I'm sure when you think of things like Betty Ford, you might think of uh, drug addiction or substance abuse, but there are also treatment centers that specialize in things like sex addiction or internet addiction, gambling problems. There was one that I was interested to find Conspiracy theory addiction. Have you guys heard about those centers or those treatment programs? Oh, my gosh. No, but I can see it. I mean, we've seen it with things like QAnon and, and people that kind of, you know, get estranged from their families because they're obsessed with this kind of stuff. Yeah, it definitely feels like a mental health facility more than any kind of even a rehab to me. Yeah. And these things can be, you know, wrapped up. Right. It's it can be difficult to extricate the two. But, yeah, in the post QAnon world, this has happened. We've had a lot of uh, we've got a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists who may have lost contact with friends or family members because of these kinds of beliefs uh, or even flat earth theory, which, you know, people dunk on all the time, rightly so. But for people who really believe it, it can lead to estrangement. Nicotine addiction, anxiety disorders, eating disorders, the list goes on. I, I think it's a very important point that you made, Ben, about this industry not being monopolized. 
Because what that is going to do, rather than having these Goliaths in the industry that kind of controlling how much money you can make essentially in a facility because they make a certain amount of money, they charge certain prices, you know, it's a standard that basically gets set when there's a monopoly or, you know, a couple of big companies. In this case, everybody is essentially vying for market share and share and getting, you know, a similar amount of market share within the industry. So everybody is pushing as hard as they can to get as many patients or clients, customers, whatever you want to refer to, you know, somebody who would be going to one of these facilities, they are, they're trying as hard as they can to get as many people as they can. Mm -hmm. A similar issue with uh, private prisons, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, This, this is a huge, increasingly well-known market and it's often private. As you said, Matt, treatment can be very expensive. Like uh, the Betty Ford Clinic, right? You'll you'll see celebrities in the news uh, going to Betty Ford because of maybe a relapse or struggle with some sort of addiction. Or if we're being cynical, sometimes to engage in some PR after a uh, something has besmirched their reputation. But look, folks, at the offset, there is an absolute definite need for these programs. And there is no escaping the simple fact That rehabilitation has literally saved people's lives. There are people right now that you may know, there there may be people listening today who are alive now because they received care and treatment. But there's more to the story, and it's an important aspect of the story. Like, let's say you have a loved one or a family member in need of help. You might be overwhelmed by the sheer flood of conflicting, contradictory advice you get from all corners about what to do next. In a way, it's like the experience of uh, expecting a child, right? You have people come out of the woodwork swearing by some very weird stuff in a very authoritative way. But where does that authority come from? That's where we see a lot of claims and criticisms originate. There was a wonderful piece a, a while back on Last Week Tonight, which you all know we're big fans of, uh, that see, and it showed how numerous rehabilitation facilities struggle with uh, not just credibility, but with accountability. Yeah, there's a professor emeritus at the University of New Mexico named William R. Miller, who is mentioned in that uh, in that piece. He contacted several rehab centers, and he was attempting to learn more about their success rates, because a lot of these facilities claim that they've got just a large number, a percentage of people that go through their facility and then get out clean and they can they live on their lives without ever having to deal with abuse again. Well, he found that multiple centers for various types of addiction or uh, disorders, as we listed earlier, they claimed this high success rate and the lowest claims, the lowest claims of success rates were around 80%, meaning those, those, these places considered 80% of their patients essentially cured, right? And, and that's for the long term. That's not like cured for a couple of months. That is, you don't got to deal with it anymore. But when Professor Miller asked for data to back up these various claims, he found that absolutely zero of the, of the places he had contacted and reached out to had data to actually back up these claims. 
or at least data they were willing to share. I, I guess the safest phrase would be kind of what you said, long-term recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of necessarily cured. To be fair, to be painfully fair, that does not automatically make these claims untrue. But it's pretty troubling to note, isn't it, that at the very least, there wasn't much effort to track or document anything. And they're dealing with people's lives. That's where some of the criticism begins. But it is far, far from where the criticism ends. So we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor and we'll dive into the dark often unreported conspiracies surrounding rehab. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters— I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. 
Here's where it gets crazy. Standards, right? Who needs them? Stand, come on, standards. Let's just wing it. I thought standards were important, guys. I thought that's the how you measure things with a standard. <laughs> no, no. Let's let's make it up as the mood strikes us, right? Like maybe let's go pet horses. That'll Ooh. help. Yeah, equine. You therapy. know that that equine therapy does help sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it, if you if you like horses. <laughs> I guess that's true. You do need to at least not be afraid of a horse. But but I'm just putting it out there. We've talked about this before. My wife, who's a school psychologist, has seen equine therapy work wonders for younger children. Oh, yeah. And there's a uh, there's a great movement here in Atlanta that uh, my family has participated in, in helping kids from the inner city get out and learn how to work with horses and how to work on farms. I'm thinking of that John Oliver piece because there's a great segment in this interview where there's this person who went through uh, a treatment center that had equine therapy and in very crass terms, he talks about how it did absolutely nothing and he hates horses. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a classic if you watch it, but it's it's a serious thing. There was no There was no law about whether or not you could or could not use equine therapy. There was also no standard for what constituted success. There was no data, no no studies that proved the efficacy of this. That doesn't mean it's bad. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. But that means there wasn't much due diligence put into figuring out what it actually did for patients. And it might seem strange, right, that rehab facilities – can make so much money year over year without backing up their own claims of success. But that's unfortunately not surprising when you consider this profoundly troubling fact. As we record right now, there are absolutely no federal standards across the board for counseling practices or rehab programs. Zero. Zip zilch nada. Yeah, it's even more extreme than that. Some states don't even require a high school degree or any kind of, you know, mental health training or, um, you know, pub- social work kind of background to become an addiction counselor. In California, for example, as long as you're operating privately and dealing directly with patients who pay uh, directly to you, um, just about anybody can start an outpatient center. And it's not it doesn't necessarily point to some kind of, you know, insane level of corruption at the state level. Um, it's just a thing that we see uh, oftentimes when an industry or demand for an industry outpaces the infrastructure that's in place or the regulations that are in place for for that industry. Um, so a lot of the regulators that, that are, you know, installed to uh, oversee these kinds of operations just weren't ready for this huge growth, this, this ballooning of this, you know, rehab industry uh, and just became backlogged and overwhelmed. Uh, not to mention insurance companies being in the similar boat. But like you said, Ben, despite good intentions, um, these private for-profit entities often make their money by denying fraudulent claims. And it's complicated further by the fact that, you know, insurance companies being private for-profit organizations 
make money or the very least, you know, don't have to pay out money by investigating and denying fraudulent claims. So they do have incentives to to crack down on and deny treatments they see as unsound or abusive. And yet uh, that backlog still is a problem because these investigations are, are conducted by people. Uh, and if they are absolutely underwater and their, you know, workload is overwhelming, some things are going to fall through the cracks or it's going to take a, a very long time to actually track down. And in the meantime, you know, everything kind of moves forward, right? That's true. And experts recognize this problem. There's a guy named Dr. Mark Willenbring, who was the former director of treatment research at the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, who explicitly said there's nothing professional nor evidence-based about counseling programs. And without these sorts of standards and without these standards being enforced, things can get uncomfortably and dangerously Wild West pretty quickly. Like if you are entering a treatment facility now in the current day in 2021, there's nothing really stopping the administrators there from subjecting you to treatment that has been proven to do more harm than good. We found one study that might be familiar to people about something called confrontational strategies. This one was new to me, uh, but it apparently it originates in the 60s and 70s, I think. This is the concept that a counselor essentially would give very frank feedback to someone, let's say, suffering from a substance addiction, uh, but it could also be just yelling expletives at them and judging their character, telling them they're so wrong, telling them it's almost like uh, I'm imagining it's like one of those intervention TV shows. But instead of giving people loving feedback, like we want we love you. This is why it hurts us that you're dealing with this. This is how it hurts me. It's more of just like you're you're terrible. And why are you doing this? Yeah, like the. uh the, I, I used to think of those as popcorn interventions. Like you would see a show like Dr. Phil or something. We're going to scare this bad kid straight. Uh, the issue with those, you know, like we said at the top, is uh, attacking people often will not change their mind or incentivize them toward the behavior you wish them to exhibit. It's, it's tough. Um, and this lack of oversight, you know, you see it in other types of U.S., treatment industries, like the troubled teen industry. In fact, uh, one of our colleagues and friend of the show, uh, producer Josh Thane, is coming out with uh, a podcast about a specific example of just how harmful the troubled teen industry can become. It's a podcast called Camp Hell and Awakey, which is coming out at the end of this month. Highly recommended. Do check it out. It's and, uh, it's really good, but it's brutal. It is. So yeah. just be prepared. Maybe not suitable for all listeners, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, be be aware of that. So this problem with standardization can have these deadly consequences when people who are treated as experts, even with good intentions, base their ideas of treatment entirely on their own personal perspective or on their own clinical experience. Instead of data, instead of information compiled by experts, they run the, a serious risk of putting patients in danger, 
I mean, take, uh, you know, you mentioned intervention. There are so many like celebrity rehab shows, right? And, you know, they purport to be about normalizing addiction and stuff. But at the end of the day, they're just kind of like a celebrity big brother show kind of situation that's ultimately looked at as entertainment, which I find kind of further alienates folks going through this, but maybe that, maybe I'm wrong, but the whole celebrity rehab house thing, it always seems to be about like how much drama can we cause? It's the same attitude as like any other, you know, reality show. It's all about creating and manufacturing these moments um, for people's entertainment. Yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, that's harmful to the people on the show, but it also, you know, as you said, Noel, that can be harmful to the people watching as well. Uh, Not to mention, exploitative uh take something like celebrity rehab like you mentioned with dr drew this program used an approach that according to experts like maya savalovitz uh wasn't backed up by by data like they, it wasn't proven to be effective and the unfortunate dark note there is that more than 13 percent of the patients involved in that died after treatment, primarily due to overdoses. And it's tough to know how bad that actually is, only because, you know, we we heard the statistics from the other treatment facilities that say around 80% of people are quote unquote cured when they leave a facility. Um, And then you imagine that 13% of the patients from this show ended up dying due to an overdose. I guess it's just, it feels like, this is terrible, but it feels like it's on par with statistics of of people who just, who don't get a lot out of a treatment facility. This problem also means that treatment centers aren't required to offer alternative treatments, even when those methods or techniques are proven to have efficacy. You know, like for instance, the administration of a substance like methadone they're not they're not there's not a law that says you're required to offer this because research shows it works or something like that but the the problems don't stop there like we go if we go back in and we dig through the data we find even more distressing things so okay we i i can't remember where we've talked about this before but whenever you read a study one of the first things you want to check is whether it is self-reported, like a poll that is self-reported. Bernays taught us that it's all in how a question is framed, right? And it's all in how a person feels at the time, right? Are they talking about their past self, their future self, or their current self? Those are often three different people who may have three different answers to a question depending on how it's phrased. This kind of applies to rehab facilities. Those uh, 80% success rates that uh, Matt mentioned earlier are often entirely self-reported, sometimes based on something as simple as the clinic calling former patients to check in, which means it's two layers of self-reporting at that time. And that can literally be all it is. Ring, ring, how you doing? So what is to stop a, uh, a patient from just not telling the truth? It's a phone call. That's a really tough thing. And I bet there are a lot of people out there who have dealt with a loved one who has done that very thing where 
you know they've gone through something, they've been through a facility, you've you know called to check in on them or even gone to see them to check in on them and everything appears to be fine. They self-report that everything is fine and then you learn later that it was very much not so. That's a tough thing cuz what what else this is my only this is my question. What else would you do? Would you have like mandatory post drug screenings for patients or in some way or even voluntary drug screenings? I wonder how many how many patients would accept that as just a new thing that they do moving forward after a treatment. Right. Like would there should there be some kind of law baked in that says after you go to a treatment facility, you need to check in X amount of times for Y amount of months or years. Uh, there's not I, there's not a lot out there like that. There's especially there's not like a federal level thing about it. So right now, the fact of the matter is that a treatment facility in the U.S., depending on, to Noel's point, which state it's in, can pretty much claim to be whatever it wants to be. And it can say whatever it wants to say about the effectiveness of its treatment and its approach. And it'll often not be required to offer solid evidence that these strategies even work. You know what I mean? Not just like, not that they help patients, but that they don't harm them. The burden of proof simply doesn't exist. And then that's not to say, of course, that treatment facilities are all somehow scams. Again, rehab has literally saved people's lives, but there's no getting around it. Folks in this business do have the opportunity to make a lot of money without doing what they're saying they're going to do. And this stuff matters and has absolute consequences, you know, for people's in people's lives. Um, American Addiction Centers estimate that 85 percent of recovering addicts uh, will relapse in a single year after leaving a rehab facility. Eighty five percent. That's a pretty shocking statistic. Um, but as we're going to discuss after the break, there's a reason for this. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back. Uh, we talked a little bit about corruption and conspiracy. And I think we've, um, we've done our best to make clear that this is not saying the industry entirely is made up of bad actors, but there are provable known cases of corruption, deep corruption. And, you know, to be completely candid, we, like uh, many of our fellow listeners today, have had personal experience uh, with some of these systems, uh, if not directly, then through our relationships with our families or our loved ones. And the conspiracies and the corruption, it's real. It's not a theory. Uh, These things are happening, likely, as you hear today's episode. Yes. And one of the places, one of the physical places that we're going to focus on as we're talking about this concept is South Florida and a couple places in Florida like Delray Beach and a lot of the beaches that are just along the coast near there. and. As we're talking about these things, I am personally going to be discussing experiences of a few close people in my life who have been through many of these experiences. So we're just going to throw that in when it's contextual, just to give you a heads up. But to begin, we're going to start with some reporting coming out of Vice. That's right. Adam Jasinski speaking to Vice, a veteran of Florida's sober home industry, says that the business oftentimes is uh, corrupt to the core. He alleges that sober homes weren't really so much safe spaces for patients in recovery as they were what he describes in his words, quote, holding barns for kids to wait till they relapsed. 
Um, yeah. And he claimed that many of these bad actors who were operating these facilities were actually making these shady kind of backroom deals with treatment centers. And, and again, in his words, quote, unscrupulous people would ease that process along. They'd come through with a bag of dope, get your dirty urine and sell you for 2000 bucks. Yeah. So let, let's unpack that real quick. Does that literally mean they would tempt you with drugs and then, you know, with the intention of making you get a dirty screen? Yeah, that's one way it could work. Uh, there's a kickback process that we can examine here. When they say sell you for $2,000, it means they're sending you from that sober home as a relapsed patient to a treatment facility or back to a treatment facility, because there's a rinse and repeat cycle that can occur here. Florida has absolutely been a hotbed for rehabilitation corruption in the past. There is a harrowing 2017 NBC News investigation that found many vulnerable patients in Florida specifically have become, quote, grist in an insurance fraud mill. Uh, and we can walk through how it works. Unfortunately, the steps are well established. And these operations have been pretty successful. Yeah. And and before we get into it, let's define a couple of things really quickly. So a, a treatment center or rehab facility is where a person would go to get treatment. We've talked about that, where a person would go to get all kinds of things, anything from counseling to uh, strategies. They would learn strategies on how to cope with their addiction, how to not uh, indulge in the behaviors or at least strategies theoretically to do those things. A sober home, at least in Florida, is where a person would leave a treatment facility and go live with others who are doing the same thing, attempting to, as the name states, live in a sober manner. And as we're going to learn, oftentimes those places are not necessarily the, it's not the best environment for one to live cleanly. And we'll talk about it, but I've got some personal experience here from people who have been through this, this thing, which is often referred to as the Florida shuffle. So let's get into it. Yeah, this is where the caught like, so what, you know, as, as Noel said earlier, the concept here gets pretty close to the idea of selling people. And that's how some of these folks have thought of that in the past. They've even been called body brokers. That's the conventional term. So let's say you are, unfortunately, a corrupt treatment center. You saw the opportunity to uh, commit a kind of indirect insurance fraud, maybe with willing participants, right? And what you do is you partner with these body brokers and these operators of these widely unregulated sober homes and you start targeting people. You're looking for a specific type of vulnerable person, someone struggling with addiction and someone who also has good health insurance. Because, again, these health insurance companies will often pay out uh, various, sometimes exorbitant costs that may be inflated by one person or another. So these brokers and these sober home owners... They become predatory. They start finding people who are trying to get clean and they say, hey, I'll give you, you can stay here for free or for a very low price. We'll give you a gift card 
to go to the grocery store. So you don't have to worry about food. You want some cigarettes? Do you want, uh, you know, a, uh, beauty treatments like manicures, etc.? Totally. All you have to do in return is go to this specific treatment center. This is the one that we recommend and require. And then every time that one of those people goes to that corrupt treatment center, there's a kickback paid to the owner of the sober home. You can start to see the cycle. And this is something that was observed by a very close person to me where they noticed that there were people in the, working in the sober homes who were being paid by the owners of that sober home to go out and recruit, as you said, uh, vulnerable people with very good insurance to do this exact thing. It's, this is an eyewitness that I'm not going to talk about who this person is, but just know that I was on the phone with them five minutes before we started recording this episode discussing this very thing. And they told me that they saw this firsthand. And look, we're no stranger to being overcharged in, you know, certain health care facilities, whether it be hospitals and the sliding scale that goes along with like, how much does an aspirin cost? It depends. It's like airline tickets. You know, no one knows uh, at all. There's so many factors that can go into it and you can always argue your way out of it, but it's like, why can't it just be standardized? And that's the same deal here. Not only um, are patients kind of treated like commodities, uh, these treatment centers bill their insurance companies tens of thousands of dollars for just that kind of stuff, whether it be questionable counseling without any kind of real background, uh, like we are talking about earlier, or expensive, and at times absolutely unnecessary drug screens. And then, of course, things like uh, laboratory tests or what are often referred to as, quote, exotic laboratory tests. Not quite sure what that would entail. Um, But right. Like, I mean, you know, they you are at the mercy of the proprietors of these facilities who, you know, would argue that these are all necessary steps to to ensure that someone is on the road to recovery, etc. But it's sort of like, you know, a lot of those uh, kind of mafia, you know, construction deals you always hear about where it's like they make their money by overcharging for, you know, a chair or like uh, whatever it might be. And it's hidden on this paperwork. And because of the backlog we're talking about or any kind of bureaucratic backlog, sometimes these things go unnoticed for a very, very, very long time. Um, and, and the people that are, you know, uh, responsible for these types of kind of crooked uh, practices don't get caught. <laughs> If ever, uh, or at the very least, they keep doing it and doing damage to people and the system for a long, long time. And state attorney Dave Ehrenberg notes um, in in an excellent point that really mirrors what we've been talking about earlier. These relapses, those 85 percent of patients that relapse after leaving one of these facilities. What is that if not great for business? He says, quote, this is an entire industry that's been corrupted by easy money. Unscrupulous actors have taken advantage of well-intended federal law and a lack of any good law at the state level to profit off people at the lowest stages of their lives. I maybe at the top of the show sounded dismissive. Like I just I'm very suspicious of 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 insurance in general. I feel like things like copays and having to navigate all of the red tape just to get a little bit of help, just to get treatment, and you end up kind of paying, you know, these premiums and then Every time I go to the doctor, I end up getting a bill like for for however much it is. It doesn't seem, you know, it's certainly less than it would be if I didn't have insurance at all. 
but it's still sometimes a couple hundred bucks. And I look down at the thing and it's like, why wasn't this covered? I don't understand. How do I even look into why? Um, so these laws, while well-intentioned, we're still working within a very flawed insurance system that has only just started to accept the idea of covering mental health treatments like this. Um, and it's, 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 it's broken. And then the ability for it to keep up with this new backlog of, of cases is, is just impeded by the fact that it's already kind of broken. Um, so the federal law that Ehrenberg is referring to is not regulation. Um, he's talking about the Affordable Care Act and the Mental Health Parity Act of 2008. Ben, can you help us unpack those those kind of the relationship between those things? Yeah, yeah. So earlier I had said there's no federal level regulation. The ACA and the Mental Health Parity Act – uh, that that you just mentioned, they uh, some aspects of it might be considered controversial, but in this context, here's what they did: they required private insurance companies to cover things like substance abuse treatment, and they prevented these companies from rejecting people who had pre-existing conditions related to that. And they'd also allowed younger people to stay on their parents' insurance until they were 26 years old. So this meant that insurance companies had to enter the game, right? And that's part of what fueled the growth of this industry. And and I would agree with you. These laws are well-intentioned, but without regulation and oversight, they present this huge opportunity for corruption and outright conspiracy. And it's an opportunity that it seems... Numerous people and institutions have taken advantage of in recent years. And again, look, uh, taxpayers, yes, are footing the financial bill here. But the patients are all too often paying with their lives. And that's something you can't put a price on, no matter, you know, what what these scammers think about $2,000 per body. Yeah, in that, in that 2017 NBC investigation, they specifically talk about a 24-year-old woman who went to one of these facilities and then ended up in one of these houses, and she OD'd there while at, at the sober living house, and she passed away. And prior to her dying, which was obviously tragic to the family, prior to her dying, she reached out to her mom and said that one of these guys who was working at the facility, I think it was called Reflections. It's always a name, like something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the same way there's a genre of names for uh, for suburbs, you know, like Shady Oaks or Park Lake. Uh, rehab centers have names like, uh, oh, wait, I'm, I'm just, I'm making some up here. I hope they're not true, but uh, something like, Breeze Hills or uh, Milestones, Mm -hmm. right? Sure, yeah. Well, one of the people there at the facility where she had been to allegedly was supplying the women at that that home with drugs, specifically with opioids. And it was that same cycle that we just outlined. And the people that I know said that there was a similar thing occurring. Um, And we can get into even more details about some of these things, but it should be 
I would just like to put out here that even in the best case scenario, let's say one of these sober homes is attempting to do the right thing and help people get through. Oftentimes, there are five bedrooms in a home that used to have only three bedrooms, but they turned it into a five-bedroom home. And each one of these bedrooms is being occupied by two, maybe three people. And each of those people is paying the home, let's say, 100 to $200. In the case of the people I know, it was $200 per person per week, which means that the individual or group that owns that home is making tons of money on rent. Think about how much rent money that is. That's a, so that's like five bedrooms, three people in each bedroom, let's say $200. So 600 times five, $3,000 a month, right? Really, really nice money coming in. Then you add on top of that, any kind of kickbacks that come from the cycles that can occur. You're talking about a a, a big incentive for someone to get into that uh, game. Question. How different is the? I know it's different in terms of like these are inpatient facilities, and it's it's more about perpetuating the addiction than just robbing people of their money. But I've always thought that the uh, DUI schools that are like mandated when people get uh, you know a, a DUI um, are somewhat similarly crooked in that there's not much regulation there either, and you're basically forced to take these classes and pay out all this money that is to a private for-profit company who just happens to have a co- contract with a state uh, or government, you know, entity. Do you see any parallels between these two or am I, am I misreading this? It doesn't feel like the same thing to me. Just, I don't know. I don't know what essentially a DUI school is. I've, I've only, I'm only aware of defensive driving schools, which is a similar mandated thing. I don't think that one could be corrupted in the same way. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I imagine there could be a situation where someone is staying. So a sober home, you're you're supposed to be staying there while you're taking outpatient treatment. That's why it's not regulated the same way. Uh, and it has a lot to do with Florida's Fair Housing Act. But I could see a situation maybe when someone is in um, an alcohol rehabilitation program and it's outpatient but they're required to go with this specific center because it's in partnership with their sober home. I could see them also being required to go to a specific school, maybe, and and maybe that's where the kickback occurs. I, I, I'm sorry, and maybe I wasn't clear. I, all, all I'm saying is I, I know that that these DUI schools, like it's it's a similar situation that anyone can start one. Um, uh, I literally just Googled DUI school and there's a WikiHow article called how to start a DUI school, eight steps with pictures. So, I mean, it really is like a similar situation in that you don't have to be some kind of licensed counselor or therapist to do this. And these uh, treatment programs, well, you couldn't even really call them treatment programs, but these c- classes are required and cost a lot of money. Um, when someone, you know, gets a driving under the influence charge, you have to take these. So it's sort of like a money, you know, money faucet f- that is purporting to, like, be helpful to individuals who, you know, I mean, I guess the the um, assumption is that if someone has uh, had a DUI, then they in some way need help, I guess, because who else would put themselves in that situation? I think that's oversimplifying the case, but it seems like these there is a bit of a, you know, palms to be greased in this kind of situation too. But I know it's not a one-to-one, but I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, the interesting part there is 
if you think about it, um, I would assume that those uh, those DUI courses are not paid by insurance. So then if someone is getting uh, built, then there's a ceiling, right? Because you're only able to build the individual. Individual. That's a good point. And you can mm-hmm. make more money uh, because you're messing with incredibly wealthy insurance companies at this point. You know what I mean? I wonder if anybody's tried to get the big boys involved. Has anyone like called up Blue Cross Blue Shield and said, hey, you know, it's uh, Crazy Tom's sober home. Yeah. Uh, uh, got an offer for you guys. Put me on the phone with your CEO. But it's weird because in the end, the insurance companies are just dishing out so much money. You'd think they'd have an incentive to put a complete stop to this stuff or to the least the abuses of it. Right. But they're also, you know, overwhelmed because of how quickly this this grew. You know what I mean? And yeah, they would have, uh, like we said earlier, they would be the players who had the incentive to stop this. Right. Because uh, they and taxpayers and people's families are are falling victim to this scheme on the financial end. This leads us to the current situation. The immediate question is, what now? So we know this stuff is true. We know it's happening. We know it is a level of systemic corruption in some ways. So what is to be done? Uh, Fortunately, folks, uh, we're glad to report that there is more national attention on this massive problem. It's not just... Florida. It's not just California. It's not just Ohio. It's not just one weird part of town in your neck of the woods. It is occurring in states across the U.S. And uh, some of these criminals are being successfully prosecuted. We found cases um, about like we found high profile cases from the last several years and they're being indicted. Uh, They're being charged with pretty heavy crimes. Like uh, in 2019 in Ohio, there were six people who were indicted for healthcare fraud to the tune of $48 million. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of people in uh, a sober home paying $200 a month when you think about it. So it gives you a sense of the scale of victimization here. And, it, you know, the thing that gets me about this is this problem is also a huge hindrance to thousands of very well-intentioned professionals who are working not for the money. They're there because they want to make the world a better place or something happened to them or a loved one personally that made this the number one mission in their lives. Like It's like people who do social work. Nobody is getting into social work because they think that's the fastest route to buying their first yacht. And and these folks who are work, the majority of the people in this industry are doing their level best and they don't have the support they need. They're, they're often underpaid and they and then adding insult to injury, they can get unfairly lumped in with scam artists and criminals. They also have to deal with the effects of the corrupt part of the industry around them, right? If they're trying to help an individual get clean or, or or help themselves get through to the next stage of their life, and the rest of the corruption is just uh, working exactly against that, uh, how do, how do you actually how are you successful? Yeah, like you're you're working fifty plus hours a week, and you're not corrupt. 
uh, and you're in an area where you know there are body brokers active, where there are scam artists running these sober homes, do you have like do you have a list and you just do your best to steer your patients away from those places? And how do you how can you establish to them that you are trustworthy, right? Because they may be aware of this kind of system. But luckily, the public itself is becoming more aware of this conspiracy. I just learned about a, a, rec- a film that came out recently called Body Brokers, which is exact. It's about exactly what today's episode is about. I haven't checked it out, but um, the reviews are good. If you want to learn more about it, do please uh, check it out. Let us know what you think. It follows the story of uh, someone who is addicted to heroin who makes is trying to make an effort to get clean, but slowly comes to realize that his very sobriety is being sold to the highest bidder. And as the situation currently stands, if you are struggling with addiction, uh, we say this at the end of every episode that we do dealing with mental health or substance abuse, please know you're not alone. There are resources out there to help you, and you are worth it. Nothing in today's show should be mistaken for medical advice. We are well-intentioned, but we are not experts. Instead, please research any and all treatment facilities that you might be considering, and don't hesitate to reach out to uh, the people who are waiting to help you. Right now, if you live in the U.S., please consider calling places like 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4300. That is a 24-7, 365 days a year treatment referral program and information service. It has the unfortunately awkward name of the Samhsa National Helpline. Oh my God, is that an acronym, Ben? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we love acronyms on the show. It's just, it's a weird one. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. They're doing good work. They just didn't spend a lot of time on the acronym, I think. Yeah. So yeah, call them anytime, any day. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us to talk to us about you know what you've experienced, we would love to hear what you have to say and what you've been through. Um, we'd love to know what you've seen. Have you been to a sober living home? Have you gone through one of these treatment facilities or gotten caught up in the shuffle? Do you work for an insurance company? Have you seen abuses by some of these treatment centers? We'd love to hear from you too. You can reach out to us over social media on Twitter and Facebook, we are Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you'd like to reach out to us via telephone, we have one of those too. That's right. You can call 1-833-STDWYTK. You got three minutes to leave your message. Uh, Make sure to let us know what to call you and that it's okay to use your voice on the show and you might end up in one of our weekly listener mail episodes. Try to keep your message within that three minutes if you can. If you have a message you'd prefer to send to us directly um, that isn't a story or something that you'd want to be included on the listener voicemail episodes, uh, you can do that as well by sending us a good old-fashioned email. And while you're online and feeling generous, uh, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, They do make a difference. Every little bit helps. Uh, We surely appreciate your time. Our email address, as we always like to end with, is conspiracy at iheartradio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.